I'm going to ask you guys to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to read a number of verses and then I'm going to have you turn to Matthew chapter 7. And um, this is important because we're learning how to be the difference. And I, I just, we need, the world needs a difference. The world needs something that, like that passage, salt and light, stood out. They were different. And the world is sitting there reaching out to the trash of the world because they don't know what they need. And the Bible said about what we are should stand out where they're gravitated. And when you follow the life of Christ, they were, they, they were drawn to the, 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 the love, the, the difference that Jesus was. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 1, and I know we're being repetitive. We've read these every single week, and we're just going to keep working our way down through this. The Bible says, seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, the disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, shall, they shall be filled. When you are filled with the Spirit of God, the Bible says that there is things that will come out of your life, because blessed will be the merciful or those that show mercy, that is giving to people and holding back punishment that is deserved, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those that are motives and their heart are clean and righteous before God that removes the junk that has it to where they do what they do for the glory of God and not the praise of man or for the furtherance of themselves for they shall see God. Blessed are the Christians. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are those when they... Step into the world that is in turmoil, upside down, ruined, miserable. And rather than the Christian standing out going, look at that mess. Jesus said, no, blessed are they which come in there and say, let me show you how to fix this. And the whole reason we're doing this is because that attitude of us standing off to the side and pointing at Hollywood and pointing at the government and pointing at the schools and pointing at society and saying, look at the mess, you'll never find in God's holy word at all. And somewhere along the lines, we have thought that our Christian calling is to sit on the couch, scroll through channels and tell my, our spouses or whatever and say, what a mess, what a mess, this world is falling apart. And Jesus said, go do something about it. Be the difference. Again, in Matthew 7, change Two chapters forward, I want, I want to read this passage here as, as Jesus closes up this, this massive message that he preached. The biggest passage of scripture compiled together of the teachings of Jesus Christ. And he said, therefore, whosoever hear these sayings of mine and do with them. He said, I don't care about you listening to them as much as I care about you doing these things. Scripture was not given to us just to know, but to do. It's not just about knowledge, it's about application. Can I tell you guys, you may as well have stayed home. If you're going to come here, listen, learn, walk out, and not do, you've lost the purpose of why you came here today. You know, in Sunday school class, how you walk in there and there's a big chart on the wall and it's got little stickers for the kids and they get to, we used to do this. 
And when you come into class, they'd give you the star, the little sticky star, and you'd go up and you'd put your, your, your thumb on your name and you'd try to get the straight line and sometimes you'd get ice cream or whatever if you, if you finish that. Let me tell you, when it comes to heaven and our life, God doesn't have a little chart with your name and go, oh, look at Johnny came to church again. Gabriel, put a star up there. My, I love how he's doing this. Nowhere. It, it's a matter of, hey, they heard the gospel today. They heard about being merciful and peacemakers and all that. How many of those at Fellowship Baptist Church went out that week and did those things? That is living the truth. That is the application. Not just sitting there going, amen, change the page, amen, praise God, praise God. That's not it. So I'm going to preach a little differently today. I'm going to tell you guys a story. I'm going to actually tell you a couple stories. And I just want you to keep in mind application, application, application in the result of those. Do you remember, Jesus, how all this started? And, and, and I pointed this out a couple messages ago. When Jesus went into his public ministry, he didn't actually go right into his public ministry. He did something that was unheard of. He was king. He was lord. He was ruler of all. He was creator. He was alpha. He was omega. He was all of these things. Born of flesh, walks into the wilderness, by himself, no food, no drink. Fasted and prayed 40 days. Fasted and prayed 40 nights. Tempted of the devil, denied his flesh, emptied of his flesh. 100% God, 100% man. And in the man's side of God went in there and said, my flesh will not rule me. We have another way to put that. It's called poor in spirit. Emptied of oneself. Not poor in the spirit of God, but poor in our own spirit. Less of me and more of him. The only way to fill a vessel is to dump it out first. And that is the principle that he gave. Can I take you to the end of his public ministry? And you say the end. I'm, I'm, I'm saying near the end where Jesus walks into the garden. Fast and prayed again. Not my will, but thine be done. When all night, praying so intent, mourning not over his sin, but mourning over your sin. And he cried out, Lord, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. The cup of wrath that would be poured upon him, that he would take upon himself to become sin for us. Emptied of self or poor in spirit. Through all of these things, Jesus showed this example as he begins to walk into society after the wilderness and he walks in and all of a sudden he begins to live out his life. Uh, one of the first things that Jesus did is he, he did something that some of you might not think was that bizarre, but at the time it was. If he was rabbi, if he was king, if he was the son of God... Jesus, the Son of God, then walks up to a redneck. Okay, you guys have seen Duck Dynasty. This is the Duck Dynasty dude of the Bible. His name was John the Baptist. And you say, where do you get that? Have you ever read the description of John the Baptist? All right, he was, he was rough. 
And here he is down in the water, and he's baptizing people one by one, and they're having a good old-fashioned baptism in the river. They're having a great time. The Pharisees made themselves a little wall on the side, and they're sitting there ridiculing to the point where Jesus calls them out and says, Hi, vipers. You know, you can imagine. It's like, what? You know, and he just walks by, and he throws this out, and Jesus parts them. He walks down in the water. John the Baptist said, I'm not even worthy to buckle your shoe. And Jesus said, John, I must be baptized in obedience, submission to the calling that God had given him as the Son of God. Chose John the Baptist. The least of all these. He was poor in spirit. Jesus was humbled. I, I, could, I could spend the rest of the time sitting there explaining scripture after scripture after scripture. He had no place to lay his head. He was born in a manger. When he approached them, they approached him and John the Baptist said, Look at the creator of the universe. Let's stand in all of the presence of the Son of God. No. John the Baptist turns and points to Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. He walked into the water when he should have been recognized and introduced as the Son of God. And he was introduced as the Lamb that's going to take away the sin of the world. Hey, look at the guy that's going to be slaughtered. Let's welcome the slaughter piece. That's, uh, uh, can you imagine? As he walks in. Who are we? Who are we? Sit there and stand at a door or sing in the choir or whatever we do. I must decrease. And he must increase. The example of Jesus Christ. And you say, why? I, I don't get it. You're, you're just running rabbits. I, I'm, I just want to talk about Jesus. Because I tell you what, when Jesus began to do that to John the Baptist, to everyone that was around him, everyone that he encountered, they were like, what? This is Jesus? This is the Son of God? What, what, what happened to this conquering king? What happened to this Savior that we were promised? This is not what we were expecting. This is so different. Jesus began to travel. So I want you to travel with me. Let's travel together. John 4, 6 now. Samaria was out of their way and it was the hottest part of the day. It was a time that people would not travel much and it's not a time that people would go. And guys, for the sake of this, just so you read this, I am not telling you the story of the woman at the well. I'm trying to introduce you to the Jesus in the story. And 4, 6, and now Jacob's well was there and Jesus therefore being wearied of his journey sat thus on the well and it was about the sixth hour and there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water and Jesus saith unto her, give me to drink, for his disciples were gone away in their city. So here's this woman, and she's coming in, and she'd go during the middle of the day. She'd been married five times. She had a reputation. You guys know all of this. And we know historically the reason why she was going to this time is she did not want to be recognized. She did not want to be, because I'd imagine by husband number three and four, every, all the girls were like, oh, who are you married to today? Or, you know, did you trade him in yet? I mean... This was not a popular girl. She was like, you know what? I'd rather go in the heat of the day and just go by myself. I don't want to be around anybody. She approaches the well and she gets there and there's somebody waiting on her. Doesn't make sense. 
Can I tell you everything about the life of Christ doesn't make sense? He broke the mold of everything that they did. He broke the mold of every tradition, everything that the Pharisees had set before them of this is what religious examples should be. And Jesus went and said, forget that. I want them to know the love of God. He was a Jew. She was from Samaria. Opposites. He was a rabbi, the teacher of righteousness. She had the reputation to be married five times, and the woman or the man she was with at the time was not even her husband. She was a nobody. He created everybody. She came thirsty. He was living water. The biggest shocker was that it's Jesus. She went out of her way to avoid people. Jesus went out of his way to encounter people. Every bit of this. Can I make a comment? I hope you get this, because this needs to change in our mindset. Jesus never boycotted sinners. Jesus never boycotted sinners. How do you reach them if you don't want anything to do with them? I know it's going to be quiet, but I'm just, I'm studying my God. How many of you are Christians? Slip your hand up right now. You're Christ-like, right? Christ-like. Okay, keep reading. I want to be Christ-like. This didn't make sense. He sought out sinners. And, and the thing is, we, we sometimes try to avoid sinners. He, he went to them. Let me just say, Jesus did not only go to them, he went to them and gave them special attention. Oh, my goodness. I'm like, okay, all right, I need to change some things in my life. Here's where it goes. We're going to get into application. And then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou being a Jew asked me to drink, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. How are you being a Christian and you attend Fellowship Baptist Church how is it that you that have it figured out and you have a good marriage would go out of your way to love on me who is a prostitute? What? Some of you are going to be a little weirded out on August 9th and Sunday night when we get up and the ladies give their entire presentation about reaching prostitutes. Girls that have only survived in life because they've sold themselves for the last, all of their lives. Some of these girls started at like 8, 9, and 10 years old. What? You, you, alright, I don't know who you are. And obviously you don't know who I am. But what you're doing is not normal. I've been with the Pharisees. I've been with my people. I've been with the religious leaders. Nobody wants anything to do with me. Nobody cares about me. And you being a Jew are sitting there asking for something from me? Jesus just sat there and said, here, I, I'm just, I, I don't get it. I still don't get it. This does not make sense. Why are you being so kind to me? Your kind spits on my kind. Verse 10, and Jesus said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, 
And who it was that saith unto give me the drink, thou wouldest ask him of him. And he would have given thee living water. And the woman saith unto her, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. And then whence thou, hast thou living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob that has given us the well? And drank thereof himself, his children, and his cattle. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. Wait a minute. Ha! I've been married five times. He doesn't know that. He has no idea. You're going to offer me living water? You're going to offer me salvation? Whoa, 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 whoa. It, I mean, you can imagine in her mind... I don't deserve that. Actually, what I get is shunned all the time. That's what I get. Keep reading. The water shall I give him shall be a well of water springing up into everlasting water. And the woman said unto her, Sir, give me the water that I thirst. Neither come hither to draw. And Jesus said unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. Oh, okay. All right. He just opened the door. You really went there. Okay. All right. Uh... That dude at home is not my husband, and uh, he wants to meet him. So you can imagine her dilemma here. As soon as I tell him that I am that woman, there's no chance that I'm going to get the rest of this. And I can tell already that you're a man of God. I can already tell. But once you realize who I truly am, but here's the thing. Jesus already knew who she truly was. One man answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast said, Well, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and whom thou that has is not thy husband. Thou hast said, Surely. Husbands. Working on number six right now? Is that, is that correct? Did I call that out right? That's, that's what you got at home right now? How's that working out for you? But you're still, you already know that, sir, and yet you are still offering me you know what that is to give somebody and withhold rather than saying drag her out and stone her? Jesus is saying, I want to give you something you don't deserve. It's called, well, Jesus was being, he was being merciful to this woman. He just took this woman that did not deserve this. And all of a sudden she's standing there in awe of the fact that you're going to give me something that I absolutely do not deserve. Blessed are the merciful. I know that we often think that when we show kindness to someone that doesn't deserve it, that we are almost compromising. Because there's no way that I could do this. And see, the dilemma that we often have in life is simply the fact that I don't want to justify their sin. A young girl gets Pregnant, and let me tell you, when that happens, it's amazing how we often call out the girl and we forget about the dude. It, take, it takes two in that sin. But, but the point being is, that girl that is now a single mom, and a lot of times the, the church or the people will sit back and say, hey, did you hear about so-and-so? And God's saying, that so-and-so girl needs the people of the church to go in and restore her, help her, lift her up and bring her back. And you say, where, where is that line drawn? Well, Jesus said something about blessed are the, the meek. The meek is someone that has a contrast between calling out the bad but still not backing off of the good. 
It's not a matter of just ripping their face. And you see, Jesus didn't just say, hey, I'll give you the living water. Jesus said, hey, do you know about the five? Do you know what you've done? Do you know that is sin? He didn't have to just say it. She knew as soon as he said it. The life you are living is not right. But at the same time, I offer you something you don't deserve. Do you know what Jesus was doing on that minute? He was not only showing her mercy, but Jesus comes back and he begins to do something. And on this poor girl's life, he begins to pour on her and show her meekness. Show her meekness. You're the son of God, the rabbi. All I get from the Pharisees when I'm around the Pharisees is they sit there and spit on my face. They tell me that I am no good. They want nothing to do with me. And yet you're calling me to be a child of God. I don't get it. Through all of this, she saw something that she was not used to. She saw the man sitting on a well. Speaking to her from his heart and showing the pureness of him with no arrogance. And we look back and I love the fact of how this happened. When Jesus was with the disciples, he didn't just say, hey, we're going to go through Samaria and if I run thin to anybody, hey, maybe we'll be kind to them. Jesus went beyond that. Actually, what he did is he targeted her. He said, I must go through. We're all going into lunch and Jesus said, I cannot go with you. I need to be here. There's someone that needs me. You know what the thing is? Just to point out of this. She had five husbands on the sixth one and still not happy. Can I tell you that is a description of somebody that is searching for peace in the world that has no peace. Somebody that says, hey... Mom, guess what? You won't believe this. I met a guy. You met a guy again? Honey, uh, I've lost count, but are you going to tell me number five? Is that right? Number five? No, Mom. Number five was the last guy that uh, that didn't work out. This this will be number six. Honey, I'm, I'm telling you. Mom, you don't understand. I am so alone Mom, I cannot live this way, Mom. But everybody already looks down at you and they look down at me. And honey, this is not the way to live. This is not right. Mom, what am I supposed to do? It's not that I want to be known as that woman. I just don't know what to do. I don't have any peace. I love the fact that what she thought would bring her peace never brought her peace. But Christ brought into her life something she wasn't expecting and that one thing is what brought the peace. In verse 28, the woman left her water water pot, not water park. (laughs) She was at Cedar Point at the time. And went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come, see a man which told me all the things that I've ever did. And they were like, Woo, that took a while. You know, it's like, How long were you there? You know, is this not the Christ? There is a passage that I read one time that said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. She runs out and she said, 
I met Jesus. I met Jesus. She met something radically different. She met something totally different. And she runs into the city. Let me tell you, the people that she was avoiding, she is now rejoicing. Christ put into her life because when there's shame and there's guilt and there's despair and everything else, you drop your head and you look the other way. You, you, you avoid people. You, you, you go the back door of the church. You go around the corner. You don't go to certain areas. That's guilt. But I tell you what Christ does is Christ brings peace to our heart. Only the peace of God can help that woman run into the city and say, hey, I'm different. I have finally found what I've been looking for. All of my life. The thing that happened is Jesus impacted her heart. She did what no man could ever do. But let me tell you, she would have never known this. Guys, get this. She would have never known this woman of reputation, this woman that was a flirt and probably everything that went out, this woman that was an outcast, this woman that had been married five times, this girl that was divorced, it doesn't even mention how many kids, it doesn't mention all that other stuff, would have never known peace, mercy, love, forgiveness, meekness, long-suffering, and everything else unless Jesus went out of his way to go to her. Can I hit with you guys with something that I, I, I'm going to say very cautiously because I love you and I don't want anybody taking this wrong. We as a church have to shift gears on our mindset of some things. If we're to follow the example of Jesus Christ and we're to come to church and a lot of people say, my ministry is, and we define our ministry as I sing in the choir, I play an instrument, I greet at the door, or I park a car, or I whatever, and all these different things. And, and, and let me say, those are ministries. That, that, that is ministering to other people. But Jesus said, I've come to seek and to save that which is. And we've, we, we will come and do our thing, and sit in our spot, and stand up and go... I did my ministry for the week and Jesus comes back and says that that's a good thing and you did you helped a lot of people. But those that are whole need not a physician, but those that are sick. And I feel like we've almost programmed ourselves to have the mindset that we are Christ-like because we sing in a room where everybody is going to say amen and everybody is going to applaud and everybody's going to be good and everybody's going to be dressed right and everybody's going to act right. But we get around the girl in the miniskirt or the girl with the halter top or the guy that has his pants around his ankles. And all of a sudden, we've lost the concept of what Jesus truly called ministry. Ministry is you getting out of your comfort zone and going to people that is very uncomfortable to be around because they need what you got. That's what ministry is. We're not done. Mark 5. Saying, where's all the points and all that? We've preached the points. Blessed is a man that do these things. Mark 5, 1, and they came over to the other side of the sea, to the country of 
Gardarianus. If that's wrong, ask Brother Fenwick afterwards. And when he was come to the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with unclean spirits who had in his dwelling among the tombs. And no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Because it had been often bound with fetters and chains, and chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken to pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying, cutting himself with stones. Jesus arrives at this place. Jesus goes to this place of despair. Jesus gets into a boat and says, guys, we need to cross over. Guys, we need to go over here. And this guy comes up and this is not the place, it's not the environment. It's not, I was like, oh, I would never go there. That, 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 that's not. Is there any worship services this weekend? Because I'm all about that. And let's go to a singing and let's, hey, hey, where, when's the next potluck, pastor? I mean, it's just, hey, we doing that picnic thing? And I, I mean, that's. Amen, we're Christians. That's what Christians do, amen. We, we, we eat and we fellowship and we get into rooms and we sing songs about Jesus. And I know we do those things. But to me, it should be, there's a pep rally and then there's the game. And I, I think we're looking at church as the game when we should be looking at this as the pep rally. And when we say break and we turn around and we turn around and we grab the ball, we should be running to the world Rather than having the idea that when we say amen you are dismissed. That we pause in the ministry that we truly have. If I'm to describe this guy. He goes to this dark place. And this guy is naked, dirty, bloody, battered and bruised. He's a wild animal. Actually he had demons inside of him. And can I say. You say, oh, we don't even have that anymore. That's, that's kind of out of touch with reality. Can I tell you, we have this a whole lot more than we say we do. And we label it different things. And let me tell you, these people, if you watch the news and you see a guy that walked into a movie theater or drives by a recruiting office or whatever and he does the things that they do and the evil of this world that will sit there and tell you to drive a plane into the side of a building and I could go on and on and we sit there and say, what are those things? That is the work of the devil, just so you guys know. The Bible says in Ephesians 6 about spiritual wickedness in high places. The Bible talks very clearly that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, which is evilness that you cannot see. And we see these kids that have rebellion against their parents. And the Bible says in the Old Testament, he's talking about Saul, that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. I mean, you get into this and you're going to see there is a spiritual war going on and it's all around us and it's in our kids and it's in our life and it's all around us every day. And we sit there and write people off and God says, hey, the problem is they've not met the power greater than the power that they have in their life right now. That's the problem. You guys see, you write people off. Can I tell you, they bound him, drug him to the tomb, put him up in the mountains, bound him with chains and fetters and everything else because no man could deal with him. We have people in this world that we have written off as being impossible. But let me tell you, greater is he that is in us than he that is in them or in this world. You, you talk about, uh, uh, we, for we are many, and I'm not just telling the story, I'm trying to get the point across when they come back and says we are legion, for we are many, 
That was the demons that was inside of this man, and it's not uncommon to see that today. Talk about extremes. Bound by sin. Verse 28, coming out of the tombs, exceeding fear, so that no man might pass by that way, he took over. You get into all this and you start seeing what's going on, his condition. Verse 3 again, who had in his dwelling among the tombs that no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Because he had often been bound with fetters and chains. Let me ask you, how do you often get bound with fetters and chains? Somebody has to go in there and say, you're good for nothing, nobody wants you, and bound him. You go on and something happens. Verse 5, it gives his condition and, and always night and day in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. It's this description of despair crying out for help. Let me ask you guys as the world cries out for help who's running to them? As they do dumb things and you look at him and his guy's cutting himself with stones trying to get away from the pain trying to do anything, whether it's a drug or alcohol or pornography or stealing or whatever it is, them trying to do something, saying, I just don't want to feel this way anymore. Can I ask you as Christians, who's running to them? Jesus got out and he showed mercy and humbleness because Jesus, he said, say, what are we doing? I think you guys are catching on what was happening as Jesus kept taking mercy, love, forgiveness, and, and Jesus was just slowly dumping it on these people. He was just giving them what they did not deserve. The intention of Jesus of doing all of those things was just not a matter of being there to do that, but he was showing them That when you give them what they don't deserve and you're different than what they're used to getting and you stand in the darkness or in the tombs or in the jails or in the prisons, when you're going to the places that everybody else has forsaken and you are in your life merciful in love and the fruit of the spirits and your meekness. And and, and the Bible says when you show long-suffering and the things to them, the things that most Christians are not showing today, that it has a drastic effect on them. Both situations, and I'll, I'll skip forward for the sake of time. The Bible talks about these demons that came out, and they were, verse 15, and, and they come to Jesus seeing him that was possessed with devils and had a legion sitting, clothed in his right mind, after Jesus cast out the demon and they were afraid and and they saw and told them how befell to him was possessed with devils and also concerning the swine and they began to pray him about their coast when he was coming to the ship he that had been possessed with devil prayed him that he might be with him bible describes this guy that afterwards he's in his right mind He's sitting there and saying, I just want to be around Jesus. I, I want whatever you have. Can you imagine bringing peace to a guy like that that was minutes ago cut himself and screaming and torture and tears? And the next phase of what we get to is he's just on his knees, clothed and in his right mind. And I love how the Bible says clothed. It's amazing how you dress and act right when God gets inside of you. And he's sitting there crying out to God to be with him. 
can I close it out by going back to Matthew 5.13? Guys, you realize that I could have gone Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We literally could have gone through here and taken verse by verse by verse and, and, and showed the illustration of what Jesus was saying, but I want, I want to bring it home to this. And I know this is so cliche that it's this illustration that it's like, oh, I've heard this since I've been in junior church when I was a kid. But once again, not my illustration. I am literally giving Christ's illustration. And he comes in Matthew 5.13 and he says, ye are the salt of the earth. See, the salt is something that has an effect on people's life. The salt changes the taste of food. Salt preserves meat. Salt has a powerful effect, although it's simple of itself. I know the Bible continues to say, but if the salt has left its savior or of its effect, it might appear, but if it's lost the makeup that makes it what it is, and it is poured out on the world of however it is, it will cease to have an effect on the world because they sit there and say, I don't get it. In the Old Testament, when they used to do this, in the New Testament, when they'd have this application, the Bible says when the salt has left, lost its savor, it says, has its savor, wherewith shall it be salted is thenceforth good for nothing, but cast out and be trodden under the foot of men. Do you know what it's saying? Is when a Christian claims to be a Christian, and all of a sudden nothing effective is coming out of their life, the Bible says they take the testimony, the message of that Christian, they throw it down and they walk all over it because the salt has lost its effectiveness. When a Christian stands there and says, let me tell you about Jesus Christ that has changed my life. God has come into my life and God has given me peace and love. God has transformed my marriage and God has given me a love that's different. And you get around that person and they hear nothing about the love of God and you complain about your spouse and you complain about work and you can't stand working longer hours and the boss is this and your mom is this and your dad is this and kids are rebellious and everything else. We go into the world and we tell them about how the Bible is the way and the Bible is right and yet we'll still shack up and have premarital sex and not live the way that the Bible says. The Bible says what eventually happens is we are dumping everything that is supposed to come out of our lives on the world and they're sitting there going, what is that? It has zero effect on their life. And let me just say, that is how we've come to the place that we are today. We've lost our effectiveness. We've lost the character, the virtue, the mercy the pureness of heart. We've lost our meekness. The ability to bring peace to broken situations. We've lost what makes us in there. And if we were to put it in an illustration that you'd understand, in the hearts of people that are frozen and cold and broken, we are sitting there doing this to the world and we're wondering why nothing is happening. Dad, when you sit there and you can go to church and you can go to class and you can sit there and say, I'm a Christian. And you can wear the What Would Jesus Do t-shirt and I Love My Church t-shirt. And you go home and you tell your kids all these things. But you still sit there and have the language of the world and the mindset of the world. And you snap at your wife and you're angry about everything. And you sit there and say about how powerful God is. This is what your kids are doing. You'll never reach their heart with what God gives us because there's nothing different about you. 
Jesus was so different. And not only did he change lives, every story or most of the stories in the Bible, when they get changed by God, what did they do? She left her water pots of what she thought she went there for, ran into the city and said, let me tell you about the man that told me everything I've ever done. You know what that was? That was her testifying of the impact that Jesus had on their life. Let me ask you right now. Have we lost our impact? When's the last time somebody's walked away from you and said, wow, I don't know what it is. I, I tell you what, I get around him and he, they, they lift me up and they make me feel good and they pull me off the side and tell me they're praying for me. They go out of their way to do this and that. I, I so don't get it. It's time we get to the point where we shock the world. Like that woman of Samaria and the sister and says, why? Why would you do that for me? Why would you care about me? But I tell you, this is a silly illustration. But I tell you what we do is we start melting the coldness of the world's hearts. I don't care how much they sit there and say, get your religion out of my face. Or I don't care about your God. Wait till that person finds out that they are sick. Wait till that person walks through the door and says, my wife just walked out. Wait till that person walks through the door and says, did you hear they might be laying off? And you turn to them and say, yes, but God's in control. And I'll tell you, I've been praying for you for a long time. And I know we can't tell the future, but I know that God has never let me down. And all of a sudden, you said, for all those years, I could never get to their heart. But it's not you that will ever get to their heart. It's Christ working through you. The world needs this.